Return to Sender, mail-in voting in review. Joseph Maroney from the Maroney Law Firm joins us. I'm Lawrence Coletti, and this is Legal Talk Today. Hello, audience. Welcome to the show. We're recording out of the studio and remotely at 8,300 feet elevation from the mountains of Colorado. So if we sound a little different, that's why. So I'm just going to go ahead and blame the altitude. But uh, anyway, we've got a very timely episode for you today. We're going to be talking about voting, mail-in voting, do's and don'ts of voting, and hopefully we'll get some recommendations for making sure your ballot gets counted in this sea of crazy, which has become the year of 2020. And to do that, we're joined by Joseph Maroney from the Maroney Law Firm. Welcome to the show, sir. Lawrence, how are you? How's everybody out there in Colorado? Well, pretty good. Pretty good. I'm actually, you know, I'm from California. I'm out visiting in Colorado, but so far everybody's good and uh, team's healthy and all that. So how are you doing out there? You're in New Jersey, right? And New Jersey and in Philadelphia, good old Pennsylvania, big state. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So is it considered the tri-state area? Absolutely. Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and Delaware, unless you go north and then you include New York. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Well, Joseph, I read your article uh, that was sent in, the legality of mail-in voting for the 2020 election, and I really liked how you weaved in the survey that was put together for Congress, and it was titled the Election Administration and Voting Survey 2018 Comprehensive Report, a report to the 116th Congress. So only government workers and lawyers can possibly write a title that long, but I really liked how your piece weaved that in, and I learned a lot about voting. There was just some basic stuff that I had never been you know, exposed to. And I thought this would be a really great show to have for today because uh, you know, COVID-19 and people are wanting to vote remote, but there are some concerns that mail-in voting is uh, a little difficult and people are worried that their vote might not get counted. So Joseph, where I'd like to begin is just the basics of voting, sort of those basic requirements that you need to be eligible in November's election. So could you give us a few highlight points there? Absolutely. Listen, the most critical component, obviously, is you have to be a U.S. citizen. The second thing to know is, you have, and it, it applies state to state, but each state has uh, registration deadlines. So you have to know when your particular state deadline is. And then the other important thing is there's a, a residence requirement. You have to be able to have residency in, in that particular state that you're voting on. And there's always an issue because obviously homelessness is, is a big, big issue, even in the election. But people are transient, they, whether they live in a shelter, whether they live in some public housing. But if you're homeless, you still may be able to vote, but you have to give some establishment of, of residency. And obviously, you have to be 18 years old, and that's before the actual date of the election. So if we're talking in November... Uh, November 5th, obviously, uh, if you are November 6th, that won't count if you turn 18. So it has to be before that date. And that's the general requirements. Okay. And as I understand, there's some disqualifiers in there. There's some factors out there that can disqualify somebody from one of these elections that we're going to have in November. So maybe you could share some of those uh, pitfalls so people can avoid them. Yes. Listen, so first off, like I said, you have to be a U.S. citizen. If you're not, and you don't, uh, which includes legal permanent residence, um, you know, it wouldn't qualify. The other thing is, even if you are a U.S. citizen, but you live in one of the territories, U.S. territories, such as, like you say, Puerto Rico, Virgin Islands, Guam, that will not count. And then the two big ones, and obviously here's a big one, is the felony conviction. Now, these, these vary from state to state, but obviously if you're a convicted felon, you probably will lose your right to vote. You have to check with particular states. And obviously that's a, a big issue because many people obviously over the course of their lifetime have run-ins with the law and, and they want to try to get their vote through and, and may not count. And then obviously there's an, always an issue of mental capacity or incapacitation. 
And again, it varies from state to state, but if you have a medical history, a documented medical history of some mental incapacitation, uh, you may not qualify to vote. So, you know, there, there are some of the things you should be aware of to make sure that your vote counts. Now, obviously, we're, we're, we're focusing on these mail-in ballots. So um, this is where the focus, so when you check off various information and these issues come up, you're going to have to be sure that these questions are answered in order for your particular vote to count. Well, that's a great jumping off point for my next question. So I wanted to get into the mail-in voting part of this interview. And so, you know, I'm a big absentee ballot voter. And I have to confess, although I sign up for the absentee ballot and get it, take my time with it, that's my preference. I usually end up taking a little bit longer, miss the mail-in date, and end up dropping it off in person. But, uh, you know, this year, there's going to be a lot of people that just simply don't want to go anywhere near the polls because of COVID-19. You know, they want to stay healthy. And so they've got some concerns about it. So what I wanted to do is, as I understand, understand there's a decent percentage of absentee ballots that were not valid in 2018. And what is that percentage? So just so people can have that information. Yeah, it's somewhere around 8.2% of the ballots that uh, will not count or will be invalid, which is is a a considerable amount. When you get into an election, it's going to come this close. Yeah, no, for sure. 8.2% of ballots can make a huge difference, just like you said, in the election. So well, let's let's dive into that a little bit. You know, what, what are the biggest, most common reasons that a mail-in ballot would not be counted? The biggest reason is that there's a term called other, which generally means that when you say what does other mean, and you know, it's missing important documents, such as an affidavit or a certification, or it's incomplete. I mean, incomplete is, is another reason for it to be invalidated. So you have to be aware of those issues and you have to double check and you have to call in and get some type of notification that it's been accepted. Um, and then obviously the other big, big issue is timing. Each state has various uh, restrictions as to when the deadline is to file. So if you miss the deadline, it doesn't count. And then there's other areas that are somewhat a little bit more de minimis, but signatures don't match up. Uh, signatures always big, no witness, things of that nature. They will be crucial in checking them. So you should be careful because it won't take much for your vote to be invalidated. Well, citizens periodically worry about the integrity of the voting process, Joseph. And so hence the National Voter Registration Act was uh, started. That was in 1993, but it didn't take effect until January 1st, 1995. And and that act was aimed at uh, maintaining these lists of registered voters from state to state, but it requires some actions of the state. And so would you mind kind of telling the audience about what some of those requirements are? Right. The NPRA, which is uh, something that was implemented on a federal level for uh, states to really basically protect the integrity of the electoral process. Uh, in order for that to happen, the NBRA requires that any change of address submitted to a DMV, and that's the DMV of your local state service notification of change of address for voter registration. And unless the individual indicates that the change is not for the voter registration purposes, the law also requires the states and territories to conduct a, a uniform and non-discriminatory general program to remove the names of ineligible voters. So the NVRA basically is the checks and balances to really police the process and make it as fair and, and accurate as possible. Now, as I understand it, when this happens, the state will reach out to these voters that were previously registered you know, and try to verify, but then they either get a response or they don't get a response. But how does it all break down when they get feedback from that process? What are the most common things that they hear? Well, the most common is obviously unknown. That's probably more than half of it. And the rest of it kind of is built around being undeliverable and return valid or invalid. So, you know, they're going to continue to uh, purge all of the registered voters who are going to mail in for mail-in ballots. And if you don't meet the requirements and they continue to police them, 
I mean, you have to be careful. They're going to invalidate it. So it's up to the voter to make sure that they're meeting the criteria in order for their vote to count. Well, they also need to check their mail. I know I'm a big offender of this. I don't check my uh, mail quite often just because I have all my billing online. But uh, I recently went to uh, my mailbox and uh, was shocked to discover many things that required my immediate attention. So I think that's the uh, moral of the story there. Uh, no, no question. I mean, I think that you have to be you know, cognizant of if you're going to go through the steps of mail-in voting, you have to understand the requirements, the notice issue, and so forth. If not, again, you're going to think your vote counted, and it did not. Well, some voters worry that they may be removed from a registration list for voting. And so just just to kind of help them out, maybe troubleshoot that process a little bit, what are some of the most common reasons that a voter might suddenly find themselves not on that list of registered voters? Again, I mean, they fail to respond to notices. They get notices in the mail and there's no response to confirmation. They look for confirmation. The organization, the local organizations that control it for the states and the federal government. So if you fail to do that, again, you just can't take for granted that If you mail it in, that it's been accepted. You need a notification card. You need proof, whether it comes either through email, electronically, or via through paper. One way or the other, you need to know that. There's other reasons, cross-jurisdictional moves. If you vote twice in two consecutive federal elections in two different jurisdictions, uh, may also be, and then there's death and, and others. But the main thing is notice. That That's what people have to be aware of. Don't take for granted that you're mail-in ballot counting. And I guess the good news is if you're dead, you probably don't care. Uh, no, but then again, you get local states to try to take the names of the deceased and try to get those votes to count depending on which side they're favoring. So that goes back to voter fraud, which is a big, big issue in mail-in voting in this general election, especially at the federal side, because fraud is going to be probably at the precipice of this election. Well, Joseph, just one last question for you. So from everything that I'm reading, it looks like we're probably going to have a record number of people doing the mail-in voting process this year in this election. And so just for some pointers out there, do you have any advice for people that are going to be doing the mail-in vote to make sure that their vote gets counted? Yeah, I think you've got to communicate with, with your local politicians uh, at the, not only the county level, you know, the, the municipal level. You've got to go online to vote.org. And you got to be able to get informed and you have to make sure that you follow all the rules and regulations to make sure your vote that counts. And I mean, that's the best you can do under the circumstances. But I think if you follow those rules, I think that you'll find that uh, you will uh, see that your vote will count this year in this major election. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Joseph. And thank you listeners for tuning in. We'll cite and make available our sources for this episode in our show notes on LegalTalkNetwork.com. And just a reminder, if you like this episode, please rate us and leave a comment on your favorite podcasting app. Really helps the show. This has been Legal Talk Today. I'm Lawrence Coletti. Have a great day, everybody. (laughs) 